Hello amigos, welcome back to On The Back Bar. This is Chris. I hope you're all doing well and had a wonderful Easter. So we're now halfway through April. Uh, signs of COVID starting to be counted are appearing in various countries around the world. So this is great news. Unfortunately, America's having it hit pretty hard now. So our hearts and prayers go out to everyone there. And I really hope you're all staying safe. Today's guest is Christy Norman, someone I have admired for some time because of her successful personal branding. Her full-time job before COVID was working in the world-renowned Spago by Wolfgang Puck in Beverly Hills. She runs a series on YouTube called Adult In With Alcohol, an educational and comedic series teaching the basics of wine appreciation. And her online wine course, covering 80 high-quality videos and 16 sections, has become free for everyone to use during the pandemic. Christy's journey into the world of wine is a great story. She went through an incredible transformation at an early age, which led her to be the authentic person she is today. And I think you'll enjoy hearing her speak about it as much as I did. With a team of master sommeliers, Christy has now created the United Sommeliers Foundation, raising money for those who have lost employment. So I urge you to check out if you qualify for eligibility and see if they can help. Before we start, Tales of the Cocktails have released their shortlist for the Spirit Awards. So big congrats to everyone involved in that. And I would also like to say that if you head over to my Patreon page, we have decided to give half of all our membership earnings to Hospitality Action. Hospitality Action give vital assistance to all who work or have worked within hospitality in the UK. And I think it's a really good cause. You know, as a curator, I want to be able to do my part. And although it may be a small contribution, at least it's something. You can find out more if you go over to Patreon through the link in the show notes and see what we can offer. Without further ado, I uh, really hope you enjoy the show, and let's roll the intro. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar. Hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. So, Christy, hi, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on the back bar today. I'm great, thanks so much for having me. And uh, how's it going in America? We've heard that the states have been hit hardest at the moment with COVID. Are you guys okay? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we didn't act as quickly as we should have. Um, I had a lot of friends in Italy kind of warning us 12 days later. I actually posted, you know, please come out to restaurants like everything is fine, really naively. Um, and my Italian friends, you know, because in wine, you just meet so many people from around the globe. And they were like, no, don't. Do it. <laughs> and then okay. I started reading and then I realized that um, we really needed to act. Um, unfortunately, you know, I work in a restaurant, so it was kind of tough um, to see half the restaurant empty when you're normally packed every single night. But I think um, we made the right choice in doing the stay at home order. We're uh, shelter in place until May 14th or 15th now. So 
Okay. We're stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough for everyone, especially the industry, and, and our hearts go out to you guys in America. Well, Christy, um, I'm really excited to have you on today. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, but if you can give us a rundown of uh, who you are and uh, where you come from, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, um, I am a sommelier. I work at Spago Beverly Hills for Wolfgang Puck. I have been working there for about four years since I was 21, um, and I became a certified sommelier at 21 years old. So as I was working there, I realized that beginner education, you know, basic level wine education wasn't something that you could buy necessarily um, as somebody who is serving the wealthiest, most affluent people in the world. It was very clear to me that there was a lack of wine education kind of around uh, the general population. And I committed, you know, the last, I don't know, three years of my life creating an online wine course for beginners, which is like a driver's ed course for wine that takes somebody who's a complete beginner and walks them through everything that I think a beginner should know so that they're set up for success if they decide to go into like a WSET program or a CMS or if they just want to pursue wine on their own. Um, Because as I was 20 years old studying wine, there was just nothing that was fun and engaging and entertaining. And so I really wanted to make something that, you know, skyrocketed people through the basics and made it easy and fun. Um, I started making YouTube videos when I was 21 and 22 that are still online. They're kind of, they're much more um, comedy focused, but they're called adulting with alcohol. And then I realized I needed to do a course from scratch and just take people from, you know, build upon the knowledge, take them from, you know, what is wine um, all the way through the regions. And I felt like that was the best way. Um, Of course, it took a lot of effort and it was something that I really was trying to go around at first. Um, But actually during this COVID crisis, so we launched about a year ago and it's been very successful. It's been used at wine trainings at many restaurants. You know, I'm really blessed to have gone and trained wine restaurants, you know, around the country because of it. Um, However, I offered it for free um, for all hospitality professionals that are unemployed, no matter where they live, they don't have to be in the US or whatever. It's kind of as long as you speak English, it translates kind of all around the globe. And I wanted to offer it to everyone that's out of work because this is the perfect time. Uh, Yes, it is. Everyone's stuck at home and maybe they wouldn't, you know, have the time or resources to do it at another time. And my course typically costs, it's $150 for the course. Sometimes I offer it for half off. So it's $75. Um, but still that's, that can be a lot of money for, you know, six or seven hours of wine education that maybe people don't really want to do. So this was a really great thing to kind of bring to everybody, which was amazing. Um, and then also during this crisis, um, I founded the United Sommeliers Foundation. Um, unfortunately in the wine industry, you know, um, we didn't have all of the funds set up. We didn't have these grant relief programs set up in our system, like the USBG, which is doing incredible work, you know, restaurant relief workers fund, you know, one fair wage, they have funds that, you know, hospitality professionals can apply to. Uh, But what I realized, and the master sommelier, Chris Blanchard, that founded it with me, what, what we saw was that, you know, these are highly trained people, these sommeliers that have gone through whatever certification program maybe, or maybe they just have many years of experience, And they are the first ones to be let go when there's, you know, for labor and the last ones to be hired back. You know, I was furloughed at Spago. Um, We have four Psalms on our team. And unfortunately, when you're not bringing in the kind of revenue that you're used to bringing in, you're the first ones to go. 
Um, and it's nothing personal. It's not, you know, I wasn't upset by it at all. I think they made the right decision, but it's also very, um, it, it was clear that there needed to be a fund specifically for sommeliers. Um, so to this day, it's been about three and a half weeks since we launched. We just gave the first round of grants um, to the first applicants. And okay. yeah, and we've raised, I think now it'll be around $50,000. And we just partnered with Acker, which is the biggest wine auction company online you could possibly um, get, which was incredible. They're actually matching. Um, so we're getting more than 100% of the proceeds, which is amazing. And we have a giant fundraising team getting auction donations and, you know, funds and it's a difficult climate, but, you know, we're just trying to raise as much as we can to support as many people as we can. So that's kind of a general overview. Yeah, I mean, it's very <laughs> admirable. I'm so proud of you for doing this. Um, yeah, great news. So how can people access the fund? Oh, yeah, it's um, it's UnitedSommeliersFoundation.org. Um, we are a 501c3 charity. Uh, well, we are we are in application status. So um, we are under the impression that we will, you know, have that status. And actually we're working to route the funds through another charity just to make sure that everybody is covered, you know, just in case, cause the government's moving kind of slowly. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's an application on that site. And then of course, you know, people that want to get involved or yeah, just please have some ways donate because I think everyone's still a little clammed down right now. You know, I, we were mm-hmm. expecting much bigger donations off the bat because we have four master sommeliers on our board, <laughs> you know, and some of the most influential people in the biggest markets, you know, Eric Siegelbaum from DC. I mean, just the, the most well-connected people. And you'd think that, you know, people would just be throwing cash at us, but I think this is just an unprecedented time and people are a little nervous. And, um, but I think that in the coming weeks, um, we're going to find more uh, b- people that are a little bit less afraid. And also, of course, the auction wines are starting to come in. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with 100 Acre, but the vice president of sales um, actually found me on Instagram. Funny enough, his name's Landon Patterson. Amazing guy. And he said, Christy, I want to support you. We want to do an auction because originally this started as a GoFundMe. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't file as a charity. We were just like, how can we help? You know, um, and Landon, um, he, this person just commented on my Instagram and said, call me. I call him and he's the vice president of sales at hundred acre winery. (laughs) That's the power of social media there. Right. It's absolutely incredible. I had no idea who he was, um, but he seemed really passionate. And so I gave him a call and he had so many incredible wines already collected. He just didn't know what he was going to do with them yet, but he was, he was already in this collection process. So obviously he's the chair of the auction committee. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have a hundred acre donated uh, a really big vertical with several hundred point wines just to start. That was, I mean, that's, you know, one of the first lots that we ever got for this auction. So it's going to be absolutely stellar. And people can also on our website, people can bid, you know, register to bid on the lots when they come up which is great um but of course the rest of the world will probably be bidding on them too because it's acker so we're mm-hmm. really fortunate and it's just a big village collective effort <laughs> well there's so much to talk about today as we mentioned and i really wanted to ask what were some of your earliest memories of wine coming in at 21 and working in spargo that's pretty uh, pretty impressive to to get in that age when did you really start getting into wine 
Well, actually, my my family never drank wine. I was born in Japan, and I never really drank alcohol my entire life, but I drank tea. And mm. so when I was 16, I was hired at this tea house that I was obsessed with. And when you know, the, the wine, they're the, not the wine list, the tea list had 120 different teas on it. And so if you think about the parallels between tea and wine, it's like you are serving a beverage that has a really specific, um, ritualistic process in serving. It's from a specific country, maybe a different variety, and it's differentiated by aromas. And, you know, there's a, um, a consciousness like changing, um, aspect to it. So just like alcohol, it has caffeine, right? Different types of tea from different areas have different caffeination levels. And so actually, you know, my mom said that when I was transitioning into wine, I was just, I started to get really fascinated by it as I kind of delved in. And she just thought it was hilarious because she's like, oh, you're just growing up. This is, you've always been fascinated by beverages and making recommendations and stuff. She's like, this is the natural progression. Um, But actually I was working at a steakhouse as a bar back. And I just wanted to make more money through college. And I just realized that learning about wine as a 19 year old at this, the fanciest restaurant in my city, which is about 45 minutes North of Spago and downtown LA. Um, that was the only way in my mind, I was like, I don't have the fine dining experience. And all of these servers have 20 or 30 years of experience, but nobody knows about wine. So I just committed myself to learning as much that I, as I could and to be as useful as I possibly could. And yeah. And then I was a server within six months uh, from being a bar back, you know, mopping the floors to being, being a, a captain. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. And I, you know, when you uh, first started out, what were some of the, the resources and the courses you were going for to learn more? Oh yeah. I, I read, Zerali's Windows of the World. I think that's my favorite book. And I always tell people to read that after they take my course or Mm -hmm. before I had my course when I didn't have an answer for them. um, I said, you know, read this book, um, Zerali's Windows of the World. And then um, The Atlas of Wine is great. I love Sotheby's. Sotheby's is really great too. The commentary is actually really funny. It looks like a big encyclopedia because it is. But if you really look closely, You'll find a lot of humor, actually, in Sotheby's, which I really appreciate. Um, And then also I read, I think the very first book that I read was Wine for Dummies. But I think (laughs) that you should read that book, but later. Um, I think it has way too much information, and Zerali's is much better. But that's just me personally. And I was the person that was searching online for fun breakdowns of wine, and I couldn't find that. And so as I really got more knowledgeable about wine, and I was in the room, and I was the expert on wine. And I realized that, you know, there needed to be fun content. And so that's what I had committed myself to simultaneously while being at Spago. <laughs> Brilliant. Now your YouTube series is called Adulting with Alcohol. And it's, um, <laughs> it's a great name and it's a mix of education and comedy. And I think it's good because there is so much online available now. There really is. But adding that comedy element, it makes you unique. And uh, I think that's really great. Where, where did your inspiration come to make this? Well, I wanted people to understand wine. And I had these mini lessons, you know, hmm. I have an episode like what is a Bordeaux? What is Burgundy? Right. I actually I, I actually looked up um, the top asked questions about wine on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of my videos specifically around those. I have this 
one particular video. It's called the 10 commandments of wine. And it's done kind of, it, I think it's, it's my best video. It's super fun, but it addresses so many of the faux pas that people have, because I was, you know, I'm, I'm at Spago. I can't be, you know, um, reprimanding the vice president of the company with all of his subordinates. Right. I mean, they're, they're having business dinners. It's not an appropriate time for me to be teaching them, you know, that, the legs don't actually indicate a quality of a wine. It's just a measurement of sugar and alcohol, right? But as I was 21, I, you know, I had to bite my tongue and I was so frustrated and I just wanted the world to know. And I was like, you know what? Table side, because I'm 5'2", by the way. I'm, for those of you who oh, wow. maybe haven't seen my photo, I'm short. Yeah, I'm 5'2", and I'm Asian, and I was 21. And I did not look like the psalm coming to your table. The, the, <laughs> at least in the United States, you know, it's, you know, an older white man, that's kind of the stereotype for a psalm. So when I walk up to the table, people would ask me for water. And I, I mean, it's, it's fine, I'll get their water, and then we'd come back and talk about wine, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I realized that maybe a tableside psalm wasn't actually the place that I was best received, but behind a computer screen, where people are in their pajamas, and they don't feel threatened, they don't have to act a certain way in front of me, because people would actually be very um, threatened sometimes and really confused and it puts people into kind of a weird space. Um, and it really took for me, I mean, I just had to kind of grow into it. And I think as you get more confident with yourself, um, those things kind of are eliminated or you just work around them, but it did exist for me at the beginning. Um, and being behind a computer screen was a much better indoctrination of information in my opinion for okay. those people. So you feel quite comfortable behind the screen then? I was not at the beginning. I actually learned how to use Instagram just over three years ago, and I was very uncomfortable. It took me a long time to write captions and find my voice, and I hated myself on camera. My friend Larry helped me uh, do all the adulting with alcohol videos, and I couldn't stand to see myself on camera. I would make us reshoot it. I just felt so uncomfortable. But yeah, you just kind of get used to it, and you just deal with whatever happens that you do and you have to reshoot it you have to reshoot it but it's not that big of a deal um <laughs> it's interesting you say this and i really wanted to touch on this today because i think now where we're all stuck at home and a lot of people have lost their jobs um personal branding is very important and you mentioned that you weren't comfortable with instagram if anyone hasn't seen yet check out our instagram because you you're twenty eight thousand followers now um <laughs> hugely successful i would say how how long did it take to build that kind of um i guess that secret that the tactics to make it successful the tactics are keep posting um i actually went to instagram and they did a little coaching session with me because they really like wine um, some of the content creators on their team um but essentially instagram's not trying to trick you you know if you make good content your content will appear higher in people's feeds, because even when you post something, you know, maybe only 5% of your audience is going to actually see it unless there's a certain amount of engagement, right? So that means comments, that means likes, whatever, shares, um, all of those things are factored into the equation. And so essentially, if you're posting good content and people are engaging with it, meaning they're maybe stopping on it for longer, you know, there's all these different factors that go into it. You know, I would post stories, um, I was posting, I think I was posting funny content and then also bottles that I was experiencing for the first time. So really like, you know, classic 
producers of wine. But essentially, I think that it was kind of my very honest, authentic personality that resonated with people. I don't like I, I always feel like you when you can feel the person as long as they're being real on camera, it doesn't matter if they say a word wrong or if their accent isn't perfect. Those things don't matter if you say it with passion and you mean it. Like I really feel like people connect with that so much. Yeah. And you know, and I don't feel like I have followers. I feel like I have a community. And truly it's been incredible because you know, I actually I didn't mention this before, but I started a tasting group in Los Angeles. And, you know, after two years, uh, we would, you know, meet once a month for a masterclass. I would bring these master psalms and really great, amazing people. We did like a whole bond masterclass um, with Scott Gould. I mean, we were, we had the best classes ever and it just attracted all of these people. And a lot of them did come from Instagram. You know, um, there was about 230 certified psalms or above. Um, in that tasting group before this COVID stuff happened. I mean, they're still there, but they're just not at their restaurants right now. Um, but, you know, having a really big inclusive network and not saying no to people, I think um, the wine industry too can be a little bit mean. And I don't know necessarily how the whole beverage industry is. I know that you kind of focus on the broader view, but Psalms in particular can be very judgmental. Um, and sometimes it can be um, a knowledge contest or I know more than you you know, um, and it can be easy if you have leaders in your area or that are prominent um, doing that, it's very easy to fall into it. And so I was, of course, the opposite of that because I was 21 and saying, I don't know shit. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm really excited about this wine. And I think people um, identified with that, even people who are a bit older, because it was like, oh, how cute. She's you know, tasting Valentino for the first time or whatever. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was... Um, yeah, just a combination. But I do think that posting regularly is important. I think using um, a small amount of hashtags um, that are actually applicable to your picture. And I don't know this for sure. But, um, you know, I'm in a bunch of these Facebook groups with influencers and content creators or whatever. And they talk about these things. And, you know, if you have hashtags that are specific to your photo, they are probably going to do better. Um, I don't know how this works, but maybe Instagram has technology. I don't know. But, you know, um, and curate your content for you, because I know that a lot of places likes are going to go away. Um, I know that they have gone away in a lot of places. I still have likes, me personally. Um, And I can see how many or whatever. But um, I've always posted content for me. And it's funny because I'll repost things that I made years ago and now and they crush it now. And and I thought, you know, when I posted it, I was disappointed that nobody saw that. But just remember, good content is forever. So it's never a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, <laughs> I think that's great. And your content is really authentic as well. I think that's why you've built such a great community. What, what other advice would you give to sommeliers, bartenders um, to work on their personal branding? Well, have a thing that you really like to do, because there is um, there is a lot of people doing this. And I, I watch Gary Vaynerchuk sometimes. He's amazing. He is, and yeah. he was talking, yeah, he was talking about something that really resonated with me. This kid was asking him, you know, he's like, I need to find my thing. I need to find my thing. And the thing is being you, the most authentic, most original piece of content that you could ever be is you. And, you know, I did fitness competitions back in the day. There's a whole portion of my community on Instagram 
that followed me because of my fitness and they got into wine or they try wines because they saw me right you know mm -hmm. doing um you know the tasting group there's people that just came in because of that because of the fancy bottles and now they see who i am you know and and being a multifaceted actual human being um and not being worried about what people say or people think um i think that that's the biggest thing uh, because ultimately what you're building on social media is a billboard on Sunset Boulevard. And I know you don't live here, but you know, Sunset Boulevard, right? It runs yes. through Los Angeles, like the biggest street. Okay. Just mm -hmm. check in. Um, and you know, and you're building your own billboard on Sunset Boulevard. And I think people should care less about um, the, the, I think people are worried about what they'll look like. They don't want to build it. They're like, oh, people are going to look at me if I'm building this billboard. But when it comes time, when you need that billboard to say something important, like for me, when I say, hey, I'm starting a charity, a foundation for sommeliers, I have that built already and I can leverage that to and like it really just matters what you use it for. And so I guess like if you're going to take all this time and and build whatever you're doing, do it with love and also do it to support others. And that's really the magic. Because if you are doing things for others and supporting and uplifting people in your industry, you just not only feel better, but you'll also be more successful on social media. Like you can't be just by yourself. You know, um, I hate people that are like, oh, I'm not going to do that interview. Like they don't they have, you know, 100 followers or whatever. And it's like, just do it. If you have the time, like, why not? Like, why not, you know, have that experience, have that conversation, you know, um, don't be snooty. Answer answer messages. Oh, my gosh, this is the biggest takeaway I want to tell people, mm -hmm. I have this story and I can't say what the winery is because then it will identify the individual. But this was about three years ago. <laughs> and I got a message from this guy and he said, wow, you have, wow, nice legs. And I had a glass of wine in my hand in the photo that I posted. Um, but he sent me a private DM. And there was part of me before that I always, you know, I would get, I would block people that, you know, hit on me or they were gross or whatever. This guy had a profile picture of a dog, no name. And when you clicked on his profile, it was private. So I had no idea who this person was. And he said, wow, you have great legs. And so it was kind of like borderline creepy. But um, at one bit. point, I just, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be nice. And I sent him a heart. The next message he sends to me is, hi, I'm the vice president of sales of giant, huge, super expensive wine winery really <laughs> and no apps yes and so similarly to what i was talking to you about before with um lambton at 100 acre it's like people are on here and you don't even know you have no idea who is on there who you're talking to respond to people i don't care if they have 50 followers or 10,000 followers you respond to everybody acknowledge them you can like their comments now it's so much easier too you know and like and unless you have a million fucking followers you should be responding to people that are messaging you because I can't count the number of times that if I didn't check my inbox, I would have lost out on a great opportunity mm -hmm. or a great connection. Yeah. <laughs> no, I completely agree, really. I mean, every time you talk to someone, that's a new connection being made. That's a new avenue where you can make success for something. So I think that's a great story, really. Um, you, you touched on fitness competitions. And um, <laughs> I wow, literally, because I, I do know how much... Uh, how grueling the competitions are and the amount of detail it goes into perfecting your body. How, how did you balance that alongside being a sommelier? <laughs> so um, I had, after I got my certified SOM um, pin, I applied at Spago for, 
at least four months, I think closer to six. And I applied as a hostess, as a, uh, as a food runner. They wouldn't hire me because I had too much experience. I had actually moved on to become the captain of that steakhouse, like the manager. Um, and so I, you know, I tried to get in and then I decided, okay, I'm going to do this bodybuilding competition um, now. So I was six weeks into my training and then Spago called me up and said, hey, we have a SOM position open. Can you come interview again? Like, could keep in mind, I've already had six interviews. I've already met everybody. They know I love wine and that's really the reason that I was there, but I just wanted to get close. And um, I, I got, I got into Spago. I got hired six weeks into my first competition training. And um, it was very grueling. I'm not going to lie. My trainer, Ariel, actually made me log my wine and I would spit everything. The first time I had 96 Salon, which is one of the most expensive, rare, amazing bottles of wine um, in the best vintage ever. Mm -hmm. I actually had to spit that wine the first time. My boss told me, if you spit this, I'm going to fire you. And so I snuck out <laughs> the back. I held it in my mouth um, because there's just no room. I think the last two weeks I cut wine completely, but I it was actually great training for me because I learned not to swallow wine. And when I was working, um, because I think most Psalms, it's not a big deal and no judgment to people that do taste on the clock. There's nothing wrong with it. But for me, I'm a lightweight. And so if I'm tasting seven or eight, you know, tastes in a row, well, I'm drunk, you know, um, and that still rings true to today. I still, you know, drink in moderation or I probably drink once a week. Um, and I think that going through that process really gave me, um, uh, an understanding of how much it affects your body, how much it affects the way that you look, you know, um, for me, I mean, it dehydrates me a little bit, but ultimately just having the calories, like you just realize how many calories that wine is. And I drink wine, you know, when I drink, but sometimes, you know, it's not worth it. If you're working every single day, you're working five days a week and you're tasting, you know, three glasses of wine that adds up and then you can't go home and drink more, you know, <laughs> at least yeah. I can. Um, and of course I, I started in this industry really young, so that's why I, I try to be extra, extra careful, um, because it's easy to get out of hand, like really quickly, you know? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people do struggle. Um, yeah, it's the fitness side. Did that carry on through past competitions? Have you always looked after your health in a quite a meticulous way? Uh, oh my gosh, you're learning so much about me today. Um, <laughs> I, um, actually I had, um, I, I still do. I have a skin condition called psoriasis. Right. And it covered my body until I was 18, about 70% of my body. So I always had to wear jeans and a long sleeve shirt. Like literally nobody knew that I had it because it wasn't on my face. And psoriasis is very similar to eczema, but it's related to your immune system. Um, and so when I turned 18, there was finally medication that worked for me. There was nothing approved because it's usually an older person's disease um, when it gets really bad. So there was just nothing approved for minors. And so I get, I actually get two shots um, called Stellara and Cosentix and all of my psoriasis went away. Like I had it from the time I was eight to when I was 18, all over my body, like these spots and scales and almost overnight it went away. And, um, at the time I was almost 200 pounds, um, because I just, I didn't care about my body because nobody saw me. I never really went outside because it was uncomfortable and like itchy, you know, like, you just become, and, and I was a teenager, you know, I just wanted to stay inside and not let anybody see me. Um, and, um, and then I realized that, wow, I could go swimming if I wanted to, I can, you know, wear a tank top. And I, I realized how uncomfortable I was. And 
when I looked in the mirror, I, I was really committed to getting my health in better shape because also being a healthier person with a healthier diet also helps psoriasis as well. Um, so I think that my condition was just uh, magnified by the, uh, the lack of healthy choices that I was making overall. And yeah, I, I've cut, I've done about five cuts in my life. I didn't go straight from 200 pounds to the competition. That would be ridiculous. I, I <laughs> cut two times before that, um, where uh, what I mean is, um, when you cut your diet and you get very small and then you bulk up again. And I've done this process about six times and, you know, hardcore meal prepping for 16 weeks and, you know, just weighing all of my food. And I think the last year I kind of relaxed a bit when I was doing the wine course, I was, um, when I, when I was creating it, I mean, I was in training for another competition. Um, and I ended up not doing the competition because I was very stressed <laughs> with creating the wine course, but I was super thin for the wine course. So I looked great. It wasn't mm. even intentional, <laughs> to <do that>. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but I looked very thin in the wine course. I look awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dance now and you know, I, I definitely go hiking a lot. I, I love fitness being in my life, but it's much more balanced now for sure. Good. Uh, it's an incredible story of transformation, really. I mean, um, has that been hard mentally? Was that a struggle? With the psoriasis or the, the, the food? Like uh, with the eating? Yeah, <laughs> Which I, th- one? I think the eating, to be honest, because <laughs> I, like I said, I know how grueling it is. And the cutting must be so hard, especially when you're doing long shifts uh, in the restaurant trade as well. Yeah, you know what's funny is my brain would just kind of turn off from food when I just decided that I was cutting. I don't know what it was. I think the beginning was probably harder for me. There was one time that I broke down because I wanted an Oreo so bad. Um, But when you go through this multiple times, it's so interesting because when you're not changing the input, meaning the food that's going in your body, but you're changing maybe the levels of activity or, you know, there's hormonal swings, you actually become much more aware of your body and your emotions. And what I realized was I was I was able to differentiate between anger and hunger, which I think that most people go through their life and they don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I would feel depressed, um, I could actually I would say, hey, I should probably eat more fats because that kind of keeps me up. I don't know what the science is behind that. And everybody's body's different. But there were certain food combinations that made me actually feel better and more productive. Um, so when I was doing all of this stuff. Um, I was very busy. So actually the meal prepping was much easier because I would just knock out the meal prepping. I said I had to do it. And then the rest of the stuff would follow. And actually it's, I'm very efficient and, you know, very productive when I'm cutting, even though, you know, there's two ways that you can view it. You can suffer or you can, you know, be a, like the, the champion and the author of what happens. You know, I know what the science is. My trainers are really smart and they're actually, you know, my age, Ariel is maybe a year older than me and she's had tons of people win competitions and she's brilliant, like so, so brilliant. And she just helped me for so long um, for free. And I was like, don't, don't do that for free anymore. I feel bad. <laughs> she's like, let me take money from me. But she, um, you know, she was really committed to my health and she always explained to me why everything's happening. And, and she always gave me, you know, supplements that might support me. Like if I'm having anxiety, for instance, I take theanine, which is a very natural supplement. People buy it all over the U S at the store. It's very common. Um, but people don't necessarily like talk about it that much, right? There's 
5-HTP that's in uh, MIDAL, a really common, you know, women's uh, menstrual cycle medicine, but they have just the 5-HTP and it's a natural serotonin booster because I know some days that I wasn't eating very much stuff, right, you know, before the competition, like just having, you know, a daily dose, a daily um, vitamin supplement to kind of support me in anti-anxiety or, you know, a little serotonin boost. It really made a huge difference for me. And it could be the difference between breaking and cheating on your diet or not. And of course, like doing all of this in a very healthy way. So I was only in a 500 calorie deficit a day, um, which meant at the end of the week, I would lose one pound. That's the most healthy thing that you could possibly do for your body. And so I was never starving. I mean, at the very end, you kind of have to, but <laughs> otherwise, um, for, for the entire time, it's just routine. And, you know, I would just get into that. So, I mean, it, yes, it was difficult. Um, there were times that I legit thought I was going to die, but um, I think it prepared me mentally, or this is the story I create about it, that it helped me mentally prepare because creating the wine course took much more discipline and much more determination than I could have ever imagined. Even creating this charity, you know, three weeks and 10 board members from around the country and we, you know, sort of became a, became a charitable organization in three weeks you know, set up that whole process. Like I feel like doing the fitness competitions prepared me for what I am capable of and like pushed me to the past, you know, to push me past, um, what I, I, I thought that I could do. And, um, I don't think that anything is out of limits now for me. It's so inspiring, really. Honestly, I, I mean, um, hats off to you because I don't think I could do something like that. And I try to look after my fitness, but not, not to the levels I should do anyway. Um, <laughs> let's go into the wine course then. Now, mm -hmm. like you said, it's now free, um, which is fantastic. So thank you for that. What, uh, what type of things do you focus on in the course? Well, this is designed again for a true beginner, but people, I had about 250 Psalms take it as well for, you know, accuracy and kind of to get people comfortable with this idea because um, it's new, right? It's like a driver's ed course for wine, but I wanted to walk people from the very basics. So this could be somebody who doesn't know the difference between white and red or you know, they think that fruits are in the wine, everybody's welcome, there's no judgment. And I think the, um, you know, so at the beginning we talk about what is wine, you know, how is it made, what makes wine expensive, the most important white and red grapes, you know, we talk about, um, the, in, in the first module, it's really about tasting, how to taste wine, it's very, it's broken down into exact sections. I actually had um, an, an educator for a really big, I can't say what it is, but it's a, a really big course that's very popular. Um, he helped me create like my learning objectives for each uh, section because there were certain things that just I needed to cover and I made the script around those things. So it was all very crafted very carefully mm -hmm. on purpose, intentionally. Um, and after every section, every section is about three to five videos. There's a quiz that you take after and there's a worksheet with every single video as well paired with it. And the videos won't make sense unless you're listening. Um, so, and the quiz comes from the answers on the worksheet. So it really forces people in a good way, um, to, uh, to, to pay attention and to listen. And, um, the, you know, we actually had an EDM producer make all of the music. So everything is original themes actually from music that I was listening to when I was making it and when I was writing it, which was really cool. Um, and you know, the, everything is designed to kind of like push you forward and, it shows you kind of in gradual steps, the world of wine. So then the second module, the second half um, is all about those varieties that we already talked about, but in context of place. 
So we talk about, you know, there's an entire section on France or on Spain, on Italy, um, Germany. You know, we go through the classic wine regions of the world and what I think are important. Um, and, you know, of course, there's more things that I could cover, but, you know, I, I want to make a second, you know, and third and fifth course, you know, I want to keep going. And this was really designed to be that entry level into showing what is possible. And, and you know, when I'm covering Italy and if I'm only covering, you know, three or four sections in an area, you know, explaining that there's so much more. <laughs> and um, but you have to give it to people in chunks. You can't just bombard people. So anyway, you get through all of the 16 sections and 16 quizzes. And you filled out all the worksheets. Then at the end, there's a comprehensive exam that you take and it's uh, about 50 questions. Um, and if you fail, by the way, if you fail anything, you can take it again. Um, but the exam will actually randomize and you'll get a whole new set of questions. Um, and you have to pass with at least 75%. And you get, you know, a, usually I, I send a certificate and a pen to the person when it's a paid course. But for now, I, I mean, I don't have any money either because I'm furloughed. So mm. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not offering the pen, but I am having a certificate pop up as a PDF so that people can print it at home if they'd like to keep it. Great, um, okay. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. You, you've put a lot of heart and soul into this, haven't you? Uh, you know, I I was tired of telling people to read books. I think books are great, but ever, I would literally, especially when I first started with Instagram, when I was even more active than I am now, and when I was really attracting all of these people because of my adulting with alcohol videos, everyone would ask me, how do I get into wine? And I didn't have a good answer for them. And I felt terrible every time. And ultimately, if we want more people to drink wine, and you know, this generation is not drinking as much wine as before. It's not good. You know, people will spend $22 on a cocktail, but they won't spend $50 on a bottle of wine. It's crazy to me. Um, and you have so many more options. And like, I love cocktails. And I think there's, uh, trust me, I drink plenty of cocktails. But I think that there, it's a magical experience when you have four of your friends together and you open a bottle. Maybe it's not expensive, but you're all sharing that experience together. You know, there's something really magical about that. And of course, I'm, I love winemakers. I know so many winemakers and I want people to not be afraid to try new things. And that's really the, the, what I explain about wine is that if you like a certain style of wine, you will probably like wines in that style. That's not that same producer. You know, if you like this, this type, you know, you can make an educated guess. And teaching people that if they love, you know, Willamette Pinot, they're probably going to like a Willamette Pinot, in, you know, at a different restaurant and allowing them to like branch out. And I want more people to drink more wine, spend more on wine and appreciate wine more because I, I love my industry, too. And I think it's great and it brings a lot to society and it's a really, really fun um, and not as expensive way to to enjoy alcohol. Mm -hmm. I just think it's, and I just think there's a, such a lack of education and understanding. And, and when you commit to learning about wine, you really elevate yourself, in my opinion, because I know that most of the population doesn't know anything about wine. So just if I can make that education accessible for everybody, that would just that just makes me really happy as a person. Like there's no motivation. So when you know, when everybody was stuck at home and I was sitting here and I, I just said, fuck it, let's just make it free. Let's, I just, but I want them to contact me. That's why I'm not giving out one random code. Like the USBG actually asked me for a code to distribute to their like thousands of bartenders. And I said, no, I want them to check it out. Look, look me up, email me or DM me on Instagram and just ask for a code. And it's really simple. I actually have assistants that are on my account. So you'll get an answer really fast. 
um, and you know, I, and I'm very responsive myself. It's not always an assistant. It might be actually me, but there's a form that you fill out and then I send codes in batches. So, um, I just really want to kind of keep out all the looky loose. Like I don't just don't want to give out one code and have, you know, thousands of people who aren't in hospitality or unemployed taking it, but I'm happy to give it to them if they ask. Like, I think it's, it's incredible to see, you know, over a thousand people finish my class, um, this week. Um, I just, wow. it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for helping me spread the word about it. No worries. Uh, this is all going to be in the show notes for our listeners too. So there'll be information on how to contact Christy, uh, including her wine course. What are you drinking these days? What's your top wine pick for this summer? Oh, well, I just had um, Pyramid Valley Vineyards um, Pinot Noir. So about, well, I went to New Zealand. I actually didn't have this wine while I was in New Zealand, funny enough. But I came back. It just got imported into the United States. And um, Pyramid Valley, they make wines from kind of all over. But the, the Central Otago Pinot is insane. And it's under $30 a bottle wholesale. So it's super affordable, just so good. I love Pinot, like Pinot Noir is my favorite grape, probably out of all grapes. I don't know why. But, Me too, um, actually. <laughs> yeah. And um, Pyramid Valley was actually, I heard, I'm I'm not testing to be a master psalm right now, so I think I can speak freely about this, but I heard it was an answer to one of the questions on the master psalm exam, which is pretty cool because it shows that it's significant enough, you know, that, you know, maybe they would ask about that, which is super cool. Um, and yeah, Pyramid Valley is breaking into the U S and I actually begged to have it on the list at Spago and my friend, you know, gave me a couple bottles, which I was super excited about. Um, and then what else am I drinking? I don't know, care sellers. What about uh, at home? Have you got any, uh, quarantine cocktails on the go or (laughs) anything else? Oh, actually, oh my gosh, I do. Here, wait, (laughs) hold on. Look, oh, yep. Here it is. It. So the last time I went to Spago to pick up a paycheck, my boss gave me this Stoli crushed pineapple mini. So it's like pineapple juice and Stoli together in this like miniature plastic bottle, but it's so good over ice. Like I'm not hating on it at all. And then (laughs) uh, have you, I'm such a, I'm such a dork. Uh, And then also, what is it? That kettle, kettle one made this rose and orange infused. I think it's rose and orange. I can't remember. But they have these infused vodkas, and yep. I went crazy. There's a cucumber and mint one. They were so good. I don't care. Okay. Um, I'll drink Grand Cru Burgundy, but I'll also have that over ice, and I'm good. Like, that was <laughs> great. And I thought it was gimmicky at first, and then I tasted it, and I was like, hmm, this is pretty solid. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> great. Well, if I get any flavored vodka miniatures, so I'll definitely send them over to you <laughs> in the post. It's good portion control, too. Then you know how True. many you've gone through. Uh-huh. I'm not mad about it. I, really good. <laughs> Well, Christy, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for the industry. And um, it's been great to hear your journey. Thank you so much for asking about it. I didn't think I was going to share quite so much, but I'm glad we got here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, once again, to all the listeners, everything will be in the show notes for you to find the wine course and learn more about Christy. Thank you very much, Christy. Talk soon. Wow, thanks so much again, Christy, for coming on the show. For those listening, please go check out her wine course and her YouTube videos because you will definitely find them useful. I have an incredible lineup of guests upcoming, which I can't wait to share with you. So please stay tuned. If you can give us a like, share and subscribe, that would mean the world to me and really help us getting the word out there. You know, this show is created to share people's stories of the industry and help people 
educate and push themselves forward in their own careers. And I really hope I can do that for you guys. Have a wonderful week and talk to you all soon. Peace.